Hi there. Thank you for tuning in to Stories That Made Us. This episode is the finale of the three-part Jewish tale of Adam and Eve. Check out the previous two episodes before you listen to this one for more context. In the first part of this three-part tale, we spoke of God's intent to create man and angels' opposition to the love and freedom of will and conscience that God chose to gift mankind. We spoke of the creation of Adam, of the existence, nature and the journey of our souls. And in doing so, we spent time talking about the disposition of an ideal man and the nature of Adam. In the second episode, we recounted the story of Satan, the creation of Lilith and Eve. And then we spoke of Adam and Eve's life in paradise, in the Garden of Eden, and then concluded that episode with the fall of humanity as our ancestors ate the forbidden fruit. The story this week continues from here. It has been collected and recounted from the book titled The Legends of the Jews by Louis Chinsberg. Details are in the show notes. After Adam ate the forbidden fruit, he stood naked along with Eve in the Garden of Eden. And as long as Adam stood naked, casting about for means of escape from his embarrassment, God did not appear unto him. For one should never strive to see a man in the hour of his disgrace. He waited until Adam and Eve had covered themselves with fig leaves. But even before God spoke to him, Adam knew what was impending. He heard the angels announce, God takes himself unto those that dwell in paradise. He heard more too. He heard what the angels were saying to one another about his fall, and what they were saying to God. In astonishment, the angels exclaimed, What? The first man and woman still walk in paradise? Are they not dead yet? To this God said to the angels, Now you know not what manner of day I meant, one of my days of a thousand years, or one of your days. I will give him one of my days. He shall have 930 years to live, and 70 to live to his descendants. When Adam and Eve heard God approaching, they hid among the trees, which would not have been possible before the fall. Before he committed his trespass, Adam's height was from the heavens to the earth, but afterward it was reduced to 100 ells. Another consequence of his sin was the fear Adam felt when he heard the voice of God. Before his fall, it had not disquieted him in the least. Hence, it was when Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Did God reply, before you were never afraid, and now you say you are? God refrained from reproaches at first, standing at the gate of paradise. But he asked, Where are you, Adam? Thus did God desire to teach man a rule of polite behavior, to never to enter the house of another without announcing himself. 
it cannot be denied. The words, where are you, were pregnant with meaning. They were intended to bring home to Adam the vast difference between his latter and his former state, between his supernatural size and his shrunken size now, between the lordship of God over him and the lordship of the serpent over him now. At the same time, God wanted to give Adam the opportunity of repenting of his sin, and he would have received divine forgiveness for it. But so far from repenting of it, Adam slandered God and uttered blasphemies against him. When God asked him, Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Adam did not confess his sin, but excused himself with the words, O Lord of the world, as long as I was alone, I did not fall into sin. But as soon as this woman came to me, she tempted me. God replied, I gave her to you as a help, and you are ungrateful when you accuse her, saying, She gave me of the tree. You should not have obeyed her, for you are the head and not she. God who knows all things, had foreseen exactly this, and he had not created Eve until Adam had asked him for a helpmate, so that he may not have apparently any good reason for reproaching God with having created woman. As Adam tried to shift the blame for his misdeed from himself, so also Eve. She, like her husband, did not confess her transgression and pray for pardon, which would have been granted to her. Gracious as God is, he did not pronounce the doom upon Adam and Eve until they showed themselves stiff-necked. Not so with the serpent, however. God inflicted the curse upon the serpent without hearing his defense, for the serpent is a villain and the wicked are good debaters. If God had questioned him, the serpent would have answered, You gave them a command, and I did contradict it. Why did they obey me, and not you? Therefore God did not enter into an argument with the serpent, but straightway decreed the following ten punishments. The mouth of the serpent was closed, and his power of speech taken away. His hands and feet were hacked off. The earth was given him as food. He must suffer great pain in sloughing his crin. Enmity is to exist between him and man. If he eats the choicest viands or drinks the sweetest beverages, they all change to dust in his mouth. The pregnancy of the female serpent lasts seven years. Men shall seek to kill him as soon as they catch sight of him. Even in the future world, where all beings will be blessed, the serpent will not escape the punishment decreed for him. He will vanish from out of the Holy Land if Israel walks in the way of God. Furthermore, God spoke to the serpent. I created you to be king over all animals, cattle and the beasts of the field alike. But you were not satisfied. Therefore you shall be cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. I created you of upright posture, but you were not satisfied. 
Therefore you shall from now go upon your belly. I created you to eat the same food as man, but you weren't satisfied. Therefore you shall eat dust all days of your life. You did seek to cause the death of Adam in order to espouse his wife. Therefore I will put enmity between you and the woman. How true is it? He who lusts after what is not his due, not only does he not attain his desire, but he also loses what he has. As angels had been present when the doom was pronounced upon the serpent, for God had convoked a Sandrahin of seventy-one angels when he sat in judgment upon the serpent, so the execution of the decree against him was entrusted to angels. They descended from heaven and chopped off the serpent's hands and feet. His suffering was so great that his agonized cries could be heard from one end of the world to the other. The verdict against Eve also consisted of ten curses, the effect of which is noticeable to this day in the physical, spiritual and social state of women. It was not God himself who announced her fate to Eve. The only woman with whom God ever spoke to was Sarah. In the case of Eve, he made use of the services of an interpreter. Finally, also the punishment of Adam was tenfold. He lost his celestial clothing. God stripped it off him. In sorrow, he was to earn his daily bread. The food he ate was to be turned from good to bad. His children were to wander from land to land. His body was to exude sweat. He was to have an evil inclination. In death, his body was to be a prey of the worms. And animals were to have power over him, in that they could slay him. His days were going to be few and full of trouble. In the end, he was to render account of all his doings on earth. These three sinners were not the only ones to have punishment dealt out to them. The earth fared no better, for it had been guilty of various misdemeanors. In the first place, it had not entirely heeded the command of God given on the third day, to bring forth tree of fruit. What God had desired was a tree the wood of which was to be as pleasant to the taste as the fruit thereof. The earth, however, produced a tree bearing fruit, the tree itself not being edible. Again, the earth did not do its whole duty in connection with the sin of Adam. God had appointed the sun and the earth witnesses to testify against Adam in case he committed a trespass. The sun accordingly had grown dark the instant Adam became guilty of disobedience. But the earth, not knowing how to take notice of Adam's fault, disregarded it altogether. The earth also had to suffer a tenfold punishment. Independent before, she was hereafter to wait to be watered by the rain from above. Sometimes the fruits of the earth fail. 
The crane she brings forth is stricken with blasting and mild deer. She must produce all sorts of noxious vermin. Thenceforth, she was to be divided into valleys and mountains. She must grow barren trees, bearing no fruits. Thorns and thistles sprout from her. Much is sown in the earth, but little is harvested. In time to come, the earth will have to disclose her blood and shall no more cover her slain. And finally, she shall one day wax old like a garment. When Adam heard the words, Thorn and thistles shall it bring forth, concerning the ground, a sweat broke out on his face, and he said, What? Shall I and my cattle eat from the same manger? The Lord had mercy upon him and spoke, In view of the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. The earth is not the only thing that was made to suffer through the sin of Adam. The same fate overtook the moon. When the serpent seduced Adam and Eve and exposed their nakedness, they wept bitterly, and with them wept the heavens, and the stars, and the sun, and all created beings, and things up to the throne of God. The very angels and the celestial beings were grieved by the transgression of Adam. The moon alone laughed, wherefore God grew angry and obscured her light. Instead of shining steady like the sun, all the length of the day, the moon grows old quickly and must be born and reborn, again and again. The callous conduct of the moon offended God, not only by way of contrast with the compassion of all other creatures, but because he himself was full of pity for Adam and his wife. God made clothes for them out of the skin stripped from the serpent. He would have done even more. He would have permitted them to remain in paradise if only Adam and Eve had been penitent. But they refused to repent, and they had to leave, lest their godlike understanding urged them to ravage the tree of life, and they learned to live forever. As it was, when God dismissed them from paradise, he did not allow the divine quality of justice to prevail entirely. He associated mercy with it. As they left, God said, Oh, what a pity! that Adam was not able to observe the command laid upon him for even a brief span of time. To guard the entrance of paradise from Adam and Eve, God appointed the cherubim, also called the ever-turning sword of flames, because angels can turn themselves from one shape to another at need. Instead of the tree of life, God gave Adam the Torah, which likewise is a tree of life unto them that lay hold upon her. And he was permitted to take up his abode in the vicinity of paradise in the east. Thus, sentences having pronounced upon Adam and Eve and the serpent, the Lord commanded the angels to turn the man and the woman out of paradise. 
The two began to weep and supplicate bitterly, and the angels took pity upon them and left the divine command unfulfilled, until they could petition God to mitigate his severe verdict. But the Lord was inexorable, saying, Was it I that committed a trespass, or did I pronounce a false judgment? Also, Adam's prayer to be given of the fruit of the tree of life was turned aside with the promise, however, that if he would lead a pious life, he would be given of the fruit on the day of resurrection, and he would then live forever. Seeing that God had resolved unalterably, Adam began to weep again and implored the angels to grant him at least permission to take sweet-scented spices with him out of paradise, that outside too he might be able to bring offerings unto God, and his prayers be accepted before the Lord. Thereupon the angels came before God and spoke, King unto everlasting, command you us to give Adam the sweet-scented spices of paradise. And God heard their prayer. Thus Adam gathered saffron, nard, calamus, and cinnamon, and all sorts of seeds besides for his sustenance. Laden with these, Adam and Eve left paradise and came upon earth. They had enjoyed the splendours of paradise but a brief span of time, but a few brief hours. For it was in the first hour of the sixth day of creation that God conceived the idea of creating man. In the second hour he took counsel with the angels. In the third he gathered the dust for the body of man. In the fourth he formed Adam. In the fifth he clothed him with skin. In the sixth, the soulless shape was complete, so that it could stand upright. In the seventh, a soul was breathed into it. In the eighth, man was led into paradise. In the ninth, the divine command prohibiting the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden was issued to him. In the tenth, he transgressed the command. In the eleventh, he was judged. And in the twelfth hour of the day, Adam was cast out of paradise in atonement for his sin. Cast out of paradise, Adam and Eve built a hut for themselves, and for seven days they sat in it in great distress, mourning and lamenting. At the end of the seven days, tormented by hunger, they came forth and sought food. For seven other days, Adam journeyed up and down in the land, looking for such dainties as he had enjoyed in paradise. But that was to be in vain, for he found nothing. Then Eve spoke to her husband, My lord, if it pleases you, slay me. Mayhap God will then take you back into paradise. For the Lord God became angry with you only on account of me. But Adam rejected her plan with abhorrence, and both went forth again on in search for food. Nine days passed, 
and they still found nothing resembling what they had in paradise. They saw only food fit for cattle and beasts. Then Adam proposed, Let us do penance. Mayhap the Lord God will forgive us and have pity on us and give us something to sustain our life. Knowing that Eve was not vigorous enough to undergo the mortification of flesh which he proposed to inflict upon himself, he prescribed a penance for her different from his own. He said to her, Arise and go to the Tigris. Take a stone and stand upon it in the deepest part of the river, where the water will reach as high as your neck. Let no speech issue forth from your mouth for we are unworthy to supplicate God. Our lips are unclean by reason of the forbidden fruit of the tree. Remain in the waters for thirty-seven days. For himself, Adam ordained forty days of fasting, while he stood in the river Jordan in the same way as Eve was to take up her stand in the waters of the Tigris. After he had adjusted the stone in the middle of the Jordan and mounted it, with the water surging up to his neck, he said, I adjure thee, O you water of the Jordan, afflict thyself with me, and gather unto me all swimming creatures that live in ye. Let them surround me and sorrow with me, and let them not beat their own breasts with grief but let them beat me. Not they have sinned, only I alone. Very soon all the creatures came, the dwellers in the river Jordan, and they encompassed him. And from that moment the water of the Jordan stood still and ceased from flowing. The penance which Adam and Eve laid upon themselves awakened misgivings in Satan. He feared God might forgive their sin and therefore essayed to hinder Eve in her purpose. After a lapse of eighteen days he appeared unto her in the guise of an angel. As though in distress on account of her, he began to cry, saying, Step out of the river and weep no longer. The Lord God has heard your mourning, and your penitence has been accepted by him. All the angels supplicated the Lord in your behalf, and he has sent me to fetch you out of the water and give you the sustenance that you enjoyed in paradise, and for which you have been mourning. Enfeebled as she was by her penances and mortification, Eve unwittedly yielded to the solicitations of Satan, and he led her to where her husband was. Adam, however, recognized the Satan at once, and amid tears he cried out, O Eve, Eve, where now is your penitence? How could you let our adversary seduce you again? Him who robbed us of our sojourn in paradise and all spiritual joy. Thereupon, 
Eve too began to weep and cry out, Woe unto you, O Satan! Why strive you against us without any reason? What have we done to you that you should pursue us so craftily? With a deep fetched sigh, Satan told them how that Adam, of whom he had been jealous, had been the real reason of his fall. Having lost his glory through Adam, he had intrigued to have him driven from paradise. When Adam heard the confession of Satan, he prayed to God, O Lord, my God, in your hands is my life. Remove from me this adversary, he who seeks to deliver my soul to destruction, and grant me the glory he has forfeited. Satan disappeared forthwith, but Adam continued his penance, standing in the waters of the Jordan for forty days. While Adam stood in the river, he noticed that the days were growing shorter, and he feared that the world might be darkened on account of his sin, and soon go under. To avert the doom, he spent eight days in prayer and fasting. But after the winter solstice, when he saw that the days grew longer again, he spent eight days in rejoicing, and in the following year, he celebrated both periods, the one before and the one after the solstice. The first time Adam witnessed the sinking of the sun was also seized with anxious fears. It happened at the conclusion of the Sabbath, and Adam said, Woe is me, for my sake, because I sinned. The world is now darkened and it will again become void and without form. Thus will be executed the punishment of death which God has pronounced against me. All the night he spent in tears, and Eve too wept as she sat opposite to him. When day began to dawn, he understood that what he had deplored was but the course of nature, and he brought an offering unto God a unicorn whose horn was created before his hoofs, and he sacrificed it on the spot on which later the altar was to stand in Jerusalem. When Adam had lived to be 930 years old, a sickness seized him, and he felt that his days were drawing to an end. He summoned all his descendants and assembled them before the door of the house of worship in which he had always offered his prayers to God, to give them his last blessing. His family were astonished to find him stretched out on the bed of sickness, for they did not know what pain and suffering were. They thought he was overcome with longing after the fruits of paradise, and for lack of them was depressed. Seth announced his willingness to go to the gates of paradise and beg God to let one of his angels give him of his fruits. But Adam explained to them what sickness and pain are, and that God had inflicted them upon him as a punishment for his sin. Adam suffered violently, tears and groans were wrung from him, 
Eve sobbed and said, Adam, my lord, give me half of your sickness and I will gladly bear it. Is it not on account of me that this has come upon you, on account of me that you undergo this pain and anguish? Adam bade Eve go with Seth to the gates of paradise and entreat God to have mercy upon him and send his angel to catch up some of the oil of life flowing from the tree of his mercy and give it to his messengers. The ointment would bring him rest and banish the pain consuming him. On his way to paradise, Seth was attacked by a wild beast. Eve called out to the assailant, How dare you lay hand on the image of God? The ready answer came, It is your own fault. Had you not opened your mouth to eat of the forbidden fruit, my mouth would also not be open now to destroy a human being. But Seth remonstrated, Hold your tongue, desist from the image of God until the day of judgment. And the beast gave way, saying, See, I refrain myself from the image of God. And it slunk away to its cover. Having arrived at the gates of paradise, Eve and Seth began to cry bitterly and they besought God with many lamentations to give them oil from the tree of his mercy. For hours they prayed thus. At last, the archangel Michael appeared before them and informed them that he came as the messenger of God to tell them that their petition could not be granted, that Adam would die in a few days, and as he was subject to death, so would be all his descendants. Only at the time of the resurrection, and then only to the pious, the oil of life would be dispensed, together with all the bliss and all the delights of paradise. Returned to Adam, they reported what had happened, and he said to Eve, what misfortune did you bring upon us when you did arouse God's great wrath? See, death is the portion of all our race. Call here our children and our children's children, and tell them the manner of our sinning. And while Adam lay prostrate upon the bed of pain, Eve told them the story of their fall. Eve told her story thus, After I was created, God divided paradise and all the animals therein between Adam and me. The east and the north were assigned to Adam, together with the male animals. I was the mistress of west and the south and all the female animals. Satan, smarting under the disgrace of having been dismissed from the heavenly host, resolved to bring upon our ruin and avenge himself upon the cause of his discomfiture. He won the serpent over to his side and pointed out to him that before the creation of Adam, the animals could enjoy all that grew in paradise. And now, 
they were restricted to the weeds. To drive Adam from paradise, therefore, be for the good of all. The serpent demurred, for he stood in awe of the wrath of God. But Satan calmed his fears and said, Do you but become my vessel, and I shall speak a word through your mouth, wherewith you will succeed in seducing man. The serpent thereupon suspended himself from the wall surrounding the paradise to carry on his conversation with me from without. And this happened at the very moment when my two guardian angels had betaken themselves to heaven to supplicate the Lord, and I was quite alone therefore. And when Satan assumed the appearance of an angel, bent over the wall of paradise and intoned seraphic songs of praise, I was deceived and thought him to be an angel. A conversation was held between us, Satan speaking through the mouth of the serpent. Are you Eve? Yes, it is I. What are you doing in paradise? The Lord has put us here to cultivate it and eat of its fruits. That is good, yet you eat not all of the trees. That we do, excepting a single one, the tree that stands in the midst of paradise. Concerning it alone, God has forbidden us to eat of it, else the Lord said, We will die. The serpent made every effort to persuade me that I had not to fear, that God knew that in the day that Adam and I ate of the fruit of the tree, we should be as he himself. It was jealousy that had made him say, Ye shall not eat of it. In spite of all his urging, I remained steadfast and refused to touch the tree. Then the serpent engaged to pluck the fruit for me. Thereupon I opened the gate of paradise and he slipped in. Scarcely was he within when he said to me, I repent of my words, I would rather not give you the fruit of the forbidden tree. But it was a cunning device to tempt me even more. He consented to give me of the fruit only after I swore to make my husband eat of it as well. This is the oath he made me take. By the throne of the God, by the cherubim, and by the tree of life, I shall give my husband of this fruit, that he may eat too. Thereupon the serpent ascended the tree and injected his poison, the poison of evil inclination, into the fruit, and bent the branch on which it grew to the ground. I took hold of it, but I knew at once that I was stripped of the righteousness in which I had been clothed. I began to weep because of it and because of the oath that the serpent had forced from me. The serpent disappeared from the tree, while I sought leaves wherewith to cover my nakedness. But all the trees within my reach had cast off their leaves at the moment when I ate of the forbidden fruit. There was only one that retained its leaves, the fig tree, the very tree the fruit of which had been forbidden to me.
I summoned Adam, and by means of blasphemous words I prevailed upon him to eat of the fruit. As soon as it had passed his lips, he knew his true condition, and he exclaimed against me, Though wicked woman, what have you brought upon us? You have removed me from the glory of God. At the same time, Adam and I heard the archangel Michael blow his trumpet, and all the angels cried out, Thus saith the Lord, Come you with me to paradise, and hearken unto the sentence which I will pronounce upon Adam. We hid ourselves because we feared the judgment of God. Sitting in his chariot drawn by cherubim, the Lord accompanied by angels, uttering his praise, appeared in paradise. At his coming, the bare trees again blossomed. His throne was erected by the tree of life, and God thus addressed Adam. Adam, where do you keep yourself in hiding? Think you that I cannot find you? Can a house conceal itself from its architect? Adam tried to put the blame on me, who had promised to hold him harmless before God, and I in turn accused the serpent. But God dealt out justice to all three of us. To Adam he said, Because you did not obey my commands, but did hearken unto the voice of your wife, cursed is the ground in spite of your work. When you do cultivate it, it will not yield you its strength. Thorns and thistles shall bring it forth to you, and in the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. You will suffer many a hardship, you will grow weary, and you shall find no rest. Bitterly oppressed, you shall never taste of any sweetness. You shall be scourged by heat, and yet pinched by cold. You shall toil greatly, and yet not gain wealth. You shall grow fat, and yet cease to live. And the animals over which you are the master will rise up against you, because you did not keep my command. Upon me God pronounced this sentence. You shall suffer anguish in childbirth and grievous torture. In sorrow shall you bring forth children, and in the hour of travail, when you are near to lose your life, you will confess and cry, Lord, Lord, save me this time, and I will never indulge in carnal pleasure. And yet your desire shall ever and ever be unto your husband. At the same time, all sorts of diseases were decreed upon us. God said to Adam, because you did turn aside from my covenant, I will inflict seventy plagues upon your flesh. The pain of the first plague shall lay hold on your eyes, the pain of the second plague upon your hearing, and one after the other all the plagues shall come unto you. The serpent God addressed thus, Because you became the vessel of the evil one, Deceiving the innocent, cursed are you above all cattle and above every beast of the field. You shall be robbed of the food you always wanted to eat, 
and dust shall you eat all the days of your life. Upon your breast and upon your belly shall you move, and off your hands and your feet you shall be deprived. You shall not remain in possession of your years, nor of your wings, nor will you have any limbs with which you seduced the woman and her husband, bringing them to such a pass that they must be driven forth from paradise. And I will put enmity between you and the seed of man. It shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel until the day of judgment. On the last day of Adam's life, Eve said to him, Why should I go on living when you are no more? How long shall I have to linger on after your death? Tell me. Adam assured her that she would not tarry long. They would die together and be buried together in the same place. He commanded her not to touch his corpse until an angel from God had made provision regarding it and she was to begin at once to pray to God until his soul escaped from his body. While Eve was on her knees in prayer, an angel came and bade her rise. Eve, arise from your penance, the angel commanded. Behold, your husband has left his mortal coil. Arise and see his spirit go up to his creator to appear before him. And lo, she beheld a chariot of light, drawn by four shining eagles, and preceded by angels. In this chariot lay the soul of Adam, which the angels were taking to heaven. Arrived there, they burnt incense until the clouds of smoke enveloped the heavens. Then they prayed to God to have mercy upon his image and the work of his holy hands. In her awe and in fright, Eve summoned Seth, and she bade him look upon the vision and explain the celestial sights beyond her understanding. She asked, Who may the two Ethiopians be who are adding their prayers to your fathers? Seth told her, they were the sun and the moon, turned so black because they could not shine in the face of the Father of Light. Scarcely had Seth spoken when an angel blew a trumpet, and all the angels cried out with awful voices, Blessed be the glory of the Lord by his creatures, for he has shown mercy unto Adam, the work of his hands. A seraph then seized Adam and carried him off to the river Acheron, washed him three times, and brought him before the presence of God, who sat upon his throne, and stretching out his hand, lifted Adam up and gave him over to the archangel Michael with the following words, Raise him to the paradise of the third heaven, and there you shall leave him until the great and fearful day ordained by me. 
Michael executed the divine behest, and all the angels sang a song of praise, extolling God for the pardon he had accorded Adam. Michael then entreated God to let him attend to the preparation of Adam's body for the grave. Permission being given, Michael repaired to earth, accompanied by all the angels. When they entered the terrestrial paradise, all the trees blossomed forth, and the perfume wafted thence lulled all men to slumber, all except Seth alone. Then God said to Adam, as his body lay on the ground, If you had kept my commandment, they would not rejoice who brought you here. But I tell you, I will turn the joy of Satan and his consorts into sorrow, and your sorrow will be turned to joy. I will restore you to your dominion, and you shall sit upon the throne of your seducer, while he shall be damned with those who hearken unto him. Thereupon, at the bidding of God, the three archangels covered the body of Adam with linen, and poured sweet-smelling oil upon it. With it, they interred also the body of Abel, which had lain unburied since Cain had slain him. For all the murderer's effort to hide it had been in vain. The corpse again and again sprang forth from the earth, and a voice issued thence, proclaiming, no creature shall rest in the earth until the first one of all has returned to the dust to me of which it was formed. The angels carried the two bodies to paradise, Adam's and Abel's. The latter had all this time been lying on a stone on which the angels had placed it, and they buried them both on the same spot from where God had first taken the dust with which to make Adam. God then called unto the body of Adam, 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 and it answered, Lord, here am I. Then God said, I told you once, dust you are, and unto dust you shall return. Now I promise you resurrection. I will awaken you on the day of judgment when all the generation of men that spring forth from your loins shall rise from the grave. God then sealed up the grave, that none might do him harm during the six days to elapse until his rib should be restored to him through the death of Eve. The six-day interval between Adam's death and her own, Eve spent in weeping. She was distressed, in particular that she knew not what had become of Adam's body, for none except Seth had been awake while the angels interred it. When the hour of her death drew nigh, Eve supplicated to be buried in the selfsame spot in which the remains of her husband rested. She prayed to God, Lord of all prayers, remove not your maidservant from the body of Adam, from which you did take me, from whose limbs you did form me. Permit me 
who am an unworthy and sinning woman to enter into his habitation. As we were together in paradise, neither separated from the other, so, O Lord, separate us not now. To the end of her prayer she added the petition, raising her eyes heavenward, Lord of the world, receive my spirit, and she gave up her soul to God. The Archangel Michael came and taught Seth how to prepare Eve for burial, and three angels descended and interred her body in the grave with Adam and Abel. Then Michael spoke to Seth, Thus shall you bury all men that die until the resurrection day. And again, having given him this command, angel spoke, Longer than six days you shall not mourn. The repose of the seventh day is the token of the resurrection in the latter day. For on the seventh day the Lord rested from all the work which he had created and made. Though death was brought into the world through Adam, yet he cannot be held responsible for the death of men. Once on a time he said to God, I am not concerned about the death of the wicked, but I should not like the pious to reproach me and lay the blame for their death upon me. I pray thee, make no mention of my guilt. And God promised, to fulfill his wish. Therefore, when a man is about to die, God appears to him and bids him set down in writing all he has done during his life. For God tells him, You are dying by the reason of your evil deeds. The record finished, God orders him to seal it with his seal. This is the writing God will bring out on the judgment day and to each will be made known his deeds. As soon as life is extinct in a man, he is presented to Adam, whom he accuses of having caused his death. But Adam repudiates the charge, saying, I committed but one trespass. Is there any among you, and be he the most pious, who has not been guilty of more than one? That is all for our three-part tale of Adam and Eve. As said earlier, check out the previous two episodes if you enjoyed this tale. Please, subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating and a feedback. Let me know your thoughts on Twitter and Instagram. Our social media handle is at StoriesTHTMDEUS. That's at StoriesTHTMDEUS. M-D-E-U-S. You may also choose to email us at info.storiesthatmadeus at gmail.com. That's all we have time for in this episode. Until the next, goodbye.